Hello and welcome to Bite-Sized History, the show where I try to make history fun, fast, and interesting. I'm Nick, your host. Today, we're going to be talking about the city of God, the crossroads of the world, the holy city. That is to say, the city of Jerusalem. Probably one of the most politically, socially, culturally important cities in the world. More specifically, we're going to talk about Jerusalem as it existed during the Crusades, when it was the Kingdom of Jerusalem, which was a Christian kingdom founded by Crusaders um, in 1099. Uh, and then it lasted in one form or another, which we're going to discuss, until 1187 when the city was retaken by Muslim forces, but the kingdom itself survived through two of its cities, which finally fell to uh, Muslim armies in 1291. And that is generally uh, considered to be the end of the Crusades, is the final kind of downfall of the kingdom of Jerusalem. So we're gonna get started with just a little bit of background information. I gave a brief outline of how the Crusades got started in Episode 5, Armies and Tactics of the Crusades, but uh, maybe we can go over it again uh, just for a little bit right now. The Crusades were a series of wars fought between Christians and Muslims in the Middle East, uh, and this happened during the medieval period. People who fought in the Crusades um, really did so for a variety of reasons. Some of it was politics, some of it was um, economics, the, the want for plunder, uh, and a great deal of it was religion, obviously. The, the Crusades are probably one of, if not the most um, famous kind of wars of religion in history when two civilizations really clashed for decades, if not centuries. They began in 1095 CE when Pope Urban II, in a little place called Clermont, France, on a hilltop, he called for a crusade. Now, he had been asked for help. There, there had been a distress call from the Byzantine emperor in the east, in the great city of Constantinople. When the Roman Empire fell in the late 5th century, um, it really only fell and collapsed in the West. So Rome fell. But by that point, there was the eastern half of the empire that survived, and they had a leader in Constantinople. Um, one of the major differences between the Western and Eastern kind of Roman empires was the language that they spoke in everyday life. In the West, it was Latin. In the, in the East, it was Greek. Um, and the language of their, their liturgy, their religious services. Again, in the West it was Latin, um, in the East it was Greek. There were, like, obviously a, a, a number of cultural differences, but that's kind of just like an easy way for you to, to divide it in your mind. So this Byzantine emperor had asked the, the Pope in Rome for help. Um, Christian armies responded and started marching. And there was just this call to the cross that uh, echoed across Europe. Most of the Crusaders were actually from like Frankish uh, kingdoms and fiefdoms, uh, which is to say modern day France. 
but uh, you know, a lot of them also came from Germany, the Italian states. Um, there were some from Iberia and uh, Great Britain, stuff like that. Uh, by 1099, they had marched from Western Europe, um, occasionally taking ships, but mostly on foot. So you can imagine how long this took. Uh, they had literally marched from Europe to the Middle East. And after a siege of Jerusalem, they took the holy city. And, uh, oh, what a siege that was. Um, the siege of Jerusalem, um, there was a great deal of violence in the streets after the Crusaders had gotten through the walls. I have heard accounts uh, from people who were there, but I don't know how trustworthy were. They say the blood was ankle deep and stuff like that because there was just huge amount of street violence. Uh, in the aftermath of the combat, the Crusaders, mostly Franks and Normans, Normans were the descendants of Norse people, so Vikings who had settled in northern France, and they were now called Normans. Um, they established the Kingdom of Jerusalem, and the Kingdom of Jerusalem, we're going to talk in a little bit uh, kind of what that entailed, like where was the kingdom and how did it work, but um, it survived until 1187 during the Third Crusade. Uh, when there was a famous uh, Muslim general uh, called Saladin, and he retook the city in 1187. Despite this, like the official kingdom of Jerusalem did survive through one or two of its key cities on the coast, and they held out um, for a little, like another century, pretty much. The, the final major Christian enclave, which was the city of Acre, uh, I've also heard it called Acre, fell to Muslim forces in 1291. And that's generally considered to be the end of the Crusades. Um, because the siege of Jerusalem happened almost a thousand years ago, you know, the estimates of people that died in this initial siege, again, we're talking about uh, 1099, the year 1099. The lowest estimates are a few hundred, while the highest estimates, uh, it's like 65 to 75,000. Um, there was a Muslim uh, named Ibn al-Arabi, and he put the number as 3,000 dead uh, out of a city population of 30,000. Um, in terms of the, the combatant forces involved, the Christian army that attacked the holy city um, probably numbered around 13 to 14,000 soldiers, while the Muslims had about 3,000 men defending the walls. When you look at the history of the First Crusade, sometimes it's kind of surprising how easily the Crusaders just came in and wrecked up the place and took Jerusalem. Um, and at the time, they thought it's because, well, obviously, God has chosen us. You know, we are favored by God. Um, but a lot of scholars, and uh, I agree with this, say that one of the reasons why they were so successful is because all of the Muslim kingdoms in the area at the time were actually in conflict with each other. So uh, they weren't able to put their full force forward, united against this foreign invader. Um, and the Crusaders just kind of happened to arrive at a time where, yeah, like all the, the Muslim powers in the area were fractured, divided, kind of in conflict with each other. So what was the Kingdom of Jerusalem like uh, at the time? 
immediately after taking the city, the Crusaders um, did a number of things to kind of reshape it uh, to their own liking. Uh, they converted a number of mosques to churches. They reopened pilgrim routes. Um, this area had a lot of uh, pilgrim sites uh, where people would go. Like a, a pilgrim is just a, a person on a religious journey. So like people from all over the Christian world would come to the Holy Land to kind of walk in the footsteps of Christ and go to all these holy places. Um, and the Crusaders kind of reopened a lot of those those routes. Uh, they repaired the city defenses. Uh, Jerusalem during the Crusades was a multicultural city. Um, most of the Crusaders came from the lands now called France, uh, like I said earlier. Uh, at the time, they were called Franks. Um, and it's interesting to note that the, the, the concept of, of race didn't really exist during the medieval period as we understand it now. People were more likely to identify with a lord or a culture or, or a language or something. So, you know, the Franks, um, the whole idea of kind of modern France didn't exist yet, of course. Um, the Franks were Roman Catholic and they were a minority in Jerusalem and they paid allegiance to the Pope in Rome. While most Muslims in the city were Sunni, there were Shia as well. Um, Sunni are the overwhelming majority. Like those are the two main factions of Islam. Uh, that, well, not, I, sh I shouldn't say factions, denominations. Um, and Sunni is the overwhelming majority. Um, Eastern Orthodox Christians had already lived there before the Roman Catholic Crusaders arrived. In the early 11th century, so just a few decades actually before the First Crusade, there was a schism in the Roman Catholic Church and the Eastern Christians established their own uh, their own kind of pope in Constantinople. They called it a patriarch. And so you have the split between the Eastern and Western churches. Uh, and the Western churches were called Roman Catholic, uh, based in Rome, allegiance to the pope. The Eastern Church, uh, based in Constantinople, allegiance to the Patriarch, uh, you know, obviously in areas like Anatolia and Greece, stuff like that. But anyway, enough about that. Uh, the initial capture of the city in 1099 was a huge shock. Um, and interestingly, it, well, there was just a huge amount of violence in the streets, like I said, and, a, and a, a number of Muslims, Jews, and even Eastern Christians were killed or deported by the, uh, the Crusaders. Over the lifespan, uh, of the Kingdom of Jerusalem, it, it kind of looks like the Christian rulers of the city mellowed out a little bit and allowed different communities to move in and live in the city. Over the generations, uh, the Franks in Jerusalem adapted to their new life. Um, some even learned Arabic or Greek to communicate with their neighbors. And some, an even smaller number, even married Muslims uh, who had uh, converted to Christianity. There were a number of knightly orders that were founded and uh, noble families established estates in the countryside. Most of the Franks, um, especially during the First Crusade, saw Jerusalem as a holy city, uh, the literal intersection of heaven and earth. And because Jesus of Nazareth had walked there, many Christians from Europe, uh, like I said before, wished to uh, follow in his footsteps. Um, so that's pretty much all I'm going to say right now for the actual nature of the city. Uh, and now we're going to talk about what the, the 
political uh, structure of the kingdom of Jerusalem, because, you know, you had the city of Jerusalem, but also the kingdom of Jerusalem. And uh, that's what we're going to talk about now. As the kingdom of Jerusalem uh, was located in the great timeline of history in the Middle Ages, the political structure called feudalism was the order of the day, where you had a king uh, and he had his own royal domain that was administrated directly by him and his servants, but he would also delegate land and power to lesser nobles like uh, dukes and barons and stuff, and then they would subdivide their lands to lesser nobles uh, and you know so on and so on and so on until you get to like knights and stuff like that now the nature of the deal was you uh, pay allegiance to me um, and if I call you up in a war you marshal all of your men and you rally to my banner and you fight under my army um, at the very bottom you know the peasants their part in the great structure was well, you do all the manual labor and you grow all the food. And in return, you'll have a class of professional soldiers. So that the knights that will defend you and your homesteads. Um, and and that's kind of how it works. Like, you know, you support the knight and, and he kind of protects you. Um, the church was also involved in this where the, the peasantry, it's like, oh, uh, in return for praying for your souls and maintaining the churches and, and kind of ministering to the flock, um, you donate a tenth of your income or, or something like that. Usually it was a tenth. Um, but anyway, that was that's basically feudalism in a nutshell. And that is how the kingdom of Jerusalem worked. So you had the city of Jerusalem. Uh, which was under the king uh, of Jerusalem. And also under his direct control was the territory around Jerusalem, plus the cities of Tyre and Acre. Um, there were neighboring crusader states um, called Antioch, Edessa, Tripoli. These were vassals to the king of Jerusalem. So vassal is, is a word for pretty much what I just said, where it's like, you're not an independent kingdom that it's like, ah, oh, we answer to no one. It's like, no, you answer to someone. That's your boss or your liege. And your name in relation to him is vassal. You are a vassal of your liege. Um, and your liege is the ultimate power. Like they don't answer to anyone, but you answer to them. And like I said, if, if there's a war, they call you up, you show up with all your guys and, and that's it. You, know, you go fight. Um, the actual kingdom geographically it corresponds roughly to israel like like in modern times uh israel southern lebanon southwestern jordan um and it, it like in addition to these neighboring crusader states um, which had a little bit of autonomy under the king of jerusalem there were four baronies um, so like i said you know like if you go down from king baron is like one of the levels down from king um, and the places they ruled off, oh, it could be called a county, it could be called a holding or a lordship or whatever. But anyway, there were four great baronies under the kingdom of Jerusalem, the county of Jaffa and Ascalon, the lordship of Krak or Morial, um, the principality of Galilee and the lordship of Sidon. So again, 
you got the king of Jerusalem. Now under his direct control is the area around Jerusalem and the city, in addition to the cities of Tyre and Acre. Um, then under his authority are four great baronies within the kingdom of Jerusalem, uh, Jaffa, uh, Krak, Galilee, Sidon. And then there's uh, crusader states, like almost like other kingdoms around, that are not under the direct control of the king of Jerusalem, but they they owe him their allegiance. Uh, and those are Antioch, Edessa, and Tripoli. Um, so one of the key things for kings, well, actually for political leaders throughout all of history, is how do you make money? Um, the kingdom of Jerusalem was not a wealthy kingdom. And I think one of the reasons for that is the land in that area is not super fertile so, so you can't have a lot of bountiful or cash crops or anything uh in addition to this th there's not a lot of mining um either you know maybe a little bit of fishing on the coast um so it's kind of like how did they make money well a lot of it was trade because what they didn't have in natural uh resources they had in location you know that's the first rule of real estate location 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 so this area was in between uh, Europe, uh, Southwest Asia, you know, it was on the trade routes from the Far East, you, you know, just Southwest, you've got North Africa, and then under that you have Sub-Saharan Africa. So, you know, I very much encourage you to pull up a map of the Kingdom of Jerusalem and you'll see like, boom, it's like right in the middle of everything. So they traded a lot with the Muslims. Um, that's one of the things about the Crusades that people think is, you know, they think that the Christian kingdoms were just like at war with the Muslim kingdoms for 200 years. Uh, no, there were, there were peace, there were periods of peace and ceasefires and stuff where they tried to get along and they would trade with each other. And, uh, you know, there was the mutual making of money. Um, the kingdom of Jerusalem also made money off of banking activities. Uh, you remember those pilgrims I said, where it's like, oh, I want to follow Jesus. Well, they would put taxes on the, the pilgrim routes, uh, and that was in order, you know, uh, pay the bills, keep the government running. Um, one of the key things was defense. So somebody had to pay like the militias and stuff and the patrols. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, there were some hard times. And in years where there just wasn't enough food grown in the actual kingdom of Jerusalem, sometimes the kings of Jerusalem actually had to import grain from Syria uh, in order to just keep their people alive. So how do we close out this story of the Kingdom of Jerusalem? Well, the first thing you need to know is that the Crusades were a story of diminishing returns. No crusade after the first one was as successful as the first one. Uh, and by the time you get to like the final crusades later on, like, you know, the fourth, fifth, sixth crusades, stuff like that, like hundreds of years after the first one, some of them didn't even make it to the Holy Land. Um, but in any case, you know, in 1187, um, the city of Jerusalem was retaken by Saladin, a famous Muslim general. He reconquered the city for the forces of Islam. Now, when this happened, the kingdom of Jerusalem did not die, like it just didn't collapse. The kings moved the capital to Acre, the city on the coast, and they made this the new capital of their kingdom. And uh, <laughs> yeah. I still don't know if it's called Acre or Acre. Uh, maybe we'll never know. Who knows? Uh, 
I've heard it said both ways. Um, they kind of ruled this this little kingdom for a while until finally the city fell to Muslim forces in 1291. And that was pretty much it uh, for the kingdom of Jerusalem and indeed for the crusader states in general in the Middle East. Um, that doesn't mean that the whole movement was dead, though. Like there were crusades after that uh, that tried to like take everything back and you know those weren't successful um the ruling house of the kingdom of jerusalem um when acker fell in the late 13th century was the house of lusignan and they established a new base on the island of cyprus which is nearby which they ruled until the late 15th century and all that time they were still claiming the title of king of jerusalem so i don't know it took them a while to get over it but that's pretty much the story of the Kingdom of Jerusalem, which was, this was the, the big overarching Christian authority, Crusader Kingdom uh, of the Middle Ages. Their sigil was this cross with four other crosses around it. Like it's a, it's still a very popular symbol. Uh, you can see kind of images and, and you can see a representation of this kingdom in the movie uh, Kingdom of Heaven, directed by Ridley Scott. I think it's from 2005 or so. Uh, that movie definitely has some issues, but it is very visually appealing. Uh, you know, so like like the camera work and the colors and the costumes and, and the, the orchestral score is very well done. But definitely some historical problems. Not going to get into that, but that's fine. Um, so that's pretty much it. That's going to do it for us today. All right, everybody, I'd like to thank you all so, so much for listening. And this has been Bite Sized History, the show where I try to make history fun, fast, and interesting. I'm Nick, your host. Listener mail can be sent to Bite Sized History Podcast at gmail.com. And once again, thank you so, so much for listening. Goodbye. <laughs>